Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Moose Hater Podcast, where we all talk about Moose Hater for about an hour each. Uh, nah, but it is the salt mine. We are coming at you after week number three. My name is Gordo. I'm Nyarko. And TDS. Keeping it to three this week. We didn't vote anybody off. Bonfire and Slayer will be back before too long. I have a written promise from Bonfire that he'll be back next <laughs> week. So he'll get to praise Dignitas somewhere down the line. But it has been an eventful week of the NACL, uh, especially on a certain player and a certain pick that has been going, I think, a little bit viral on Twitter lately. But we'll get into that controversy before too long first things first though i want to talk about player of the week as we do every week so let's uh let's get some weigh-ins here from our limited cast today who are your candidates for player of the week because for me it was a it was a tight week i think i have a couple of candidates here and it's hard to choose between them so i want to hear your guys's thoughts Sure, I'm going to come out of left field a little bit, go against what I was talking about with my philosophy for player of the week in prior episodes and say, I think Surdy is my player of the week, actually. Top leader for TL first. Wow. That's a good addition. That's an interesting choice. So where do you, what what makes you fall on Surdy there? So I guess it's got to be the game against, uh, against TL that they end up winning, right? That's got to be like right at the top of the list. That is top of the list for sure. I think that Surdy on that Fiora absolutely dominated the tempo of that game, brought TL challengers to the ropes and eventually to a loss, which is very impressive given that up until this point, TL first was struggling. Even this week, they went 0-2 versus 100 Thieves challengers. But I think the thing that allows me to put my vote onto Surdy's back, even with TL first still sitting there as I think the third worst team in the league, is the fact that in every game, I still saw a lot of strength from them. Think about the second 100 Thieves Challengers game, for instance. I think that Surdy there was a very consistent laner. Sniper went 0-5 on the NAR that game, while Surdy sat there at pretty at 3-2-4. And, and yeah, they got a lot of help from City Witty on the Hecarim, but still, I think that they have been a rock for the side of T, uh, of, of excuse me, of TL first. And it comes down to just really individually strong play and the need for other teams to respect them, I think is going to become more and more clear as time goes on on especially if you're one of these teams that's kind of sitting in the bottom half of the standings surety i think shows very clear potential to solo carry games if you let them get a fiora or a similar carry champion and i think that that's a sign of a great player and i want to highlight them at the very least with this minor order of salt mine player of the week i think it's fair i would be more willing well i feel like surety does fit into that criteria i myself would take Two players that really saw, uh, talk out to me. Mid laners, both on teams that got really good weeks. I think, to me, Spyrax played really, really, really well. Uh, the mid laner from Fly Challengers. I think that doing a really good job at keeping the mid laner. One of the members that I feel like are really consistent, but at the same time does have some games that feel kind of weird sometimes. But I think this week performed really well. I liked how he performed. And then I got to go for the biggest elephant in the room. The team that we had have, have had really bad ratings on coming into this. I think that on their side, they were playing really, really well. And I want to highlight once again, Shochi to me has been a really fundamental player there. I think between Shochi and Faisal, it's hard to really call for who, because I think Faisal as well has been amazing in the top lane. But I'll take this week Shochi. 
I love that pick, actually. Chochi was really high up on my list, uh, especially for his series up against EG. Um, I think both of his games there were terrific. Uh, up against, I think, like, a pretty good-looking Ryoma. Uh, like, we'll get into EG later on, but I still... Yeah. I have a lot of respect for Ryoma as a laner. I think in game two, especially, like, Ryoma gets super ahead on the Syndra. Um, but Shochi's Akali still manages to pull it out for fear. I don't end up giving it to Shochi just because it's hard for me to pick a single member from fear. You know, Faisal has that crazy Olaf game. I think Perry yeah. is incredibly solid and has good games across the board, but no real big standout performances. Uh, I think Minui has a really good game in there as well. And Trevor, I think, is in a similar boat as Perry. Um, also had like had to give some consideration to Wildcard, but I have the same issues there, where I think there's just a lot of players who stand out in different games. They're an all-around very solid team, and so it's hard to pick a player of the week. So wh who I think I settle on is Rosethorn from Golden Guardians. Uh, I think he a had a one. couple of games where he just really took over almost single-handedly from uh for Golden Guardian. It was the game one against TSM. He and Prismal uh, are just roaming all around the map on Sejuani Heimerdinger, and they just completely shut down Svenskaren. Uh, and then some great early pathing against TL first uh, just blows that game wide open. Um as well as another really great game from him in their second game against TL first, uh, where he gets set behind early from an invade on Elise uh, and recovers very nicely. He just keeps the aggression going on that Elise, even after having uh, a pretty bad start. And I think that's what you need to do on that champion. And it's something that I see a lot of players not manage to do, where you, know, you get set behind on the snowballing champ and you now just feel like you have no options. He just continues to make those opportunities happen. And I really got to give it to him there. I think honorable mention to Prismal. I think Prismal had a fantastic week as well, although he got to play a lot of Heimerdinger, which very few players get to do. Um, but I, I'm going to give it to Rosethorn for my my personal pick. Rosethorn's also up in the standings for me. If you guys come at me and say, okay, Nyarko, you got to take it down a peg. You can't put someone who's on the third worst team in the league as your player of the week. I think I would give it to them as well. The first TSM challengers game that they were matched up against, I think was the most impressive for me, mm -hmm. but every single game that they played, they were ahead and frankly gapping to a degree. The, jungler that they were against city witty in particular just did not look very good up against rosethorn even as you said after a lot of assistance being sent the their way in those games that they were playing in the second part of the week um but for me i also think that we didn't talk a whole lot about the second tsn challengers game that gg uh was up against but even then Roadstorm also did a fantastic job. Sven Skarin, 06 and 07 on the Wukong, not a great performance overall. And sure, that was with a little help from their friends. The Cassidy in mid, obviously, absolutely massive in that one. But I do think that they were a consistent performer. And, you know, the fact that they were gapping TL first maybe already puts them in the standing above the likes of Surti. Yeah, definitely can't give... Uh... You know, it's not every single game that Rose Thorne gets to pop off here. I don't think there's any player in the league who had mm -hmm. four or six consecutive, like, fantastic games. Not like uh, with MNS and Shaden, I think, who are, are pretty close to universal picks in week one and two. Um, nobody quite in that league, it feels like, this game, uh, this, this week. But, you know, a fantastic turnaround week from Golden Guardians, and I think really led by 
by Rose Thorn and Prismal. And I think it's kind of funny that we're talking about, well, not because he doesn't deserve it, but GGC is always, the focus will always be on Young and on Array, pretty much, because those are the kind of the highlight players that not only we're coming into, but typically are the ones that shine. So giving, like, looking at Rolston perform to the level that he did, I think it's fair to really try and shout it out and be more persistent on that. And it also allow, uh, like, I think that even though he doesn't get consistently amazing performances i think that he is still for what golden guardians challengers has had has been one of the better players overall i feel like without trying to call out concept has been the one that i've been worrying the most meanwhile the rest of the members have been i think consistently able to keep golden guardians challenge in a good spot like they are nine and five that is a really good record they are above a couple of teams that were expected to be above them yeah, that's, that's a great point there. I mean, it really was a big, I would say, a big turnaround week from Golden Guardians. I think a lot of us were probably pretty low on them uh, coming into at least this week, right? And I think that they kind of showed up in, in a big way this week. And, you know, they didn't have the hardest competition, of course, but I think everybody really showed up. Everybody really pulled their weight uh, and ended up with... Uh, you know, a really solid performance all around. I think Young had some great games in there. I think Array had mostly great games in there, too. Um, yeah, so really good credit to Golden Guardians. You know, they find themselves in seventh now uh, coming out of week number three, and that's pretty respectable, especially when, you know, they're only behind, like, the likes of TL Challengers and Cloud9 Challengers by having played more games and having had the opportunity to lose those. So, you know... Um, with as many games as they've played, I think they're looking pretty good. With that said, I uh, want to move on to a team that had a fantastic week and a player in particular. We got to talk about Moose Hater and the Garen. Uh, so want to open up this discussion. I'm just going to read Forest Within Tweets aloud. Uh, Forest Within's tweet aloud, one could even say if they want to pronounce words correctly. Uh, the tweet is, it's just too funny that these salaried academy team coaches and analysts are getting embarrassed by a 13-year-old champ and refuse to just ban it out of sheer ego. Maybe Garen is just OP. Everyone can play it, right? So what's the problem here? Really makes you think. And it does really make you think. So I, I want to hear some takes from, from the peanut gallery here. Do we think it's ego to not be banning Moose Haters Garen? And what place do we think it has in this league and what does it mean for this league as a whole that moose hater is just winning like all of his games on garen well first of all he really is like pretty much the garen pick almost always has been effective so you have to really think about why there is no garen bans or garen consideration even and obviously i don't have any insider information about what happens in streams for some of these teams i don't know like what happens behind the scenes for them to think this but in re like overall the thing that it leaves the like the baddest taste to me and it's something that we'll talk about soon enough is the fact that it's not only they see this and they can realize that the champion is a strong and deserves a ban but the fact that they have the gods to comment later on about how these teams can leave it open and then immediately after the fact leave it open themselves in future games so like it just feels disingenuous to to try and then uh, and laugh at some others or at least make a point about the Garen being a strong and not even taking consideration yourself. And you can make the excuse the excuse that you want, but 
in any other professional sport, if there's anything that is strong, it's going to be attacked. Like no team will leave it open or untouched because they know that it's strong. They realize that it's a strong tactic and they need to counter it any way they can. For me, I think that it's a combination of things that is leading to the Garen continuously getting up and being pickable for Mutator. And I think that Forrest is correct in saying that to a degree, this is ego. In a lot of cases, I do think that Garen deserves the ban. Mutator is doing such a great job utilizing Garen's inherent abilities in such a way that it doesn't feel like a champion with limitations. I think that people oftentimes are kind of overcrediting people uh on garen by saying that they that the champion is basically useless and it's just individual player skill that is lying for them to gap people honestly the champion is kind of crazy if you think about it we have all had solo queue experiences where a garen just gets fed early builds for movement speed and just zooms around the map and that into itself is an ability that not a lot of champions have it isn't like garen is in fact the single most generic pick you can have in league and i think that moose hater is just playing to the champion strength in a really impressive way now that being said if this is the case why aren't people banning the garen for some of these teams particularly the top teams the ones that you are surprised to see wildcard taking 2-0 victories against like c9 i think that yeah they need to take away the garen they need to ban it and even then i want to see moose hater forced off of it onto something like the allowee again if you want to keep him on really funky picks but for some other teams i think that there is genuine arguments that other things require bigger bans we're in a pretty set meta right now where there is more than 10 champions frankly that require getting knocked out of the pool for us to have a unique draft and i don't think that garen even in the hands of moose hater cracks that top five top ten that would really draw bands away from people um i think frankly let's look at the clg faith game my favorite punching bag and yet my one true love in the league there's no way Bajani has an ego at this point. Like, let's be honest. Bajani has been struggling in basically every oh. single head-to-head -head matchup in the top lane. And I'm telling you, one of those matchups is against Moose Hater. We saw them get gapped on the uh, Fiora up against Moose Hater's Garen. And frankly, to me, I don't think that that was because Lawfully said, yeah, you can deal with this, Bajani. I have faith in you. I think it's just that they had to ban other stuff. I mean, Wildcard Gaming won across the map that first game. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think that winning across the map aspect is something that's, I think, going under-discussed in the context of this whole wildcard performance. Because I think the whole wildcard squad looks really good, right? It's not like mm -hmm. Moose Hater is just picking Garen every game and steamrolling all of the enemy teams. I think this has been a fantastic split from Keel, especially. Uh, I think he looks really dangerous on the Kindred and really solid on plenty of other picks. I think Lens and Duo King have been in a fantastic duo. You know, Lens is drawing Callista bans every single game ever since week one because you just can't seemingly leave that champion up against this wildcard team. Duo King has all of these unique picks as well that go with that Callista. Um, and even without it, he's been playing the Zyros and the Blitzcranks and all sorts of things. And I think been seeing pretty solid success out of those. It just feels really reductionist to put this all on Moose Hater Garen. I think the CLG Faith game is probably my perfect example. Like, he's up, like, 10 CS on the Fiora, and the team is at a 3k gold lead with a 2k gold lead individually on Lens's Draven before Moose Hater even, like, participates in the game. Like, I don't think that this is not Moose Hater Garen just rolling over CLG Faith. They were, like, solidly losing that game before top lane even mattered. Uh, and I just... And especially on the Garen games this week, I feel like 
you know, he could be playing Jax or Nar or, you know, pick your choice of bruiser and probably have pretty similar performances in a lot of these. There's definitely been games this season that he's won um, using Garen's unique strengths, I would say. Like, flashing back to the Immortals Challenger series from week one. Game like, <laughs> I don't think any champion other than Garen is, like, solo killing ADD's gangplank in the side lane on, on respawn. I think that's probably, like, a unique Garen trait. I will say it's ADD, just just there. Sure, yeah, sure. It was ADD, but okay. that's my point. Right? It's like there's <laughs> there's been situations where he's utilized Garen's unique skill set in a you know in a distinct way that gave them an advantage that other champions couldn't give him. I don't think most of the Garen games this week were like that though. Most of the Garen games this week, he gets like he has one team fight where he flash ghosts into the team and stride breakers them, and at that point he could be playing like any champion, and it would be the exact same result. Uh, so I, I think, I think people are getting a little too hyped up on Moose Hater Garen. And I think that for me, what this kind of comes back to is one of the earlier discussions we had on the salt mine Gordo, where you were saying one of the things that can be a big make or break for wildcard is will their funky meta choices actually come back to bite them? We were talking about this in reference, I believe, to not only the Garen and Zach top, the Alawi occasionally coming in there, but also the Kalista Blitzcrank bot. And I would say, no, I think that kind of being representative of what's happening with Moose Hater right now, it's just that they are better players and they just choose to pick some of these funky champions. And I think that we're going be seeing the garen until the very end of the split i think that right now people are beginning to adjust to it a little bit maybe that doesn't necessarily mean banning it but i do think it means that they are cutting back against these dominant uh plays that the uh garen is making based off of moose hater piloting it towards its inherent strengths now it's just a matter of moose hater being a better top laner and that's why we constantly see him going back to the garen and winning games on it i feel like that then kind of brings the conversation because i, I do agree like there, there's some instances where Garen just kind of takes the free ride and it works out well. But the part from like trying to check strategies also goes then even deeper to the fact that why is it only Moose Hater that is trying this out? Because the meta, like every other team, if even if it's not Garen, that just goes to show that teams don't want to try out anything else then. Like there's teams that do have at least some peaks, like we saw, and I think this is a perfect call out, the call out something we we're talking about, the Udyr mid lane from Dixie. Like, okay, not, not a common meta pick, not something that we typically see, worked out well enough. I think that's fine. But like, teams are lacking so much, not only creativity, but attempts at actually discovering what the meta can bring. And I feel like this is also another bad showing for not, and I wouldn't even say just NACL teams, like teams everywhere. And I'm going to call that everywhere, everywhere, in every league, in every professional instance. This is a bad showing for teams because I don't think that you can make the excuse, oh, but it's just a cheesy champion. No, like you can play these champions if you understand them well enough. It's just that you don't put that much effort into some of that. And that's kind of something I remember, I think it was a less that kept on trying to bring this up with a lot of those teams that don't try to explore the meta more yeah definitely something ls has said a lot uh and i i do agree to some degree i think nacl has been a little better with the innovation this split i'm thinking about like uh jenkins i think has been really good with the warwick tops and uh he played a clay yeah. game in there as well um I liked the Udyr mid. I liked, uh, I think Balulu's busted out a few things. He's playing like some Velkaz here and there as well. But definitely agree we could be seeing some more 
innovation. And I do almost want to take an angle here that, you know, even setting aside what I said earlier, that I don't think Garen is individually responsible for a lot of these wins, even if even if I concede that point and say that Garen is. I think there's something to be said for in a developmental league, both do you want to be the players picking these off-the-wall things, assuming that they won't really be that successful at a higher level, and additionally, like, if you're a player in this developmental league or a coach in this developmental league, do you want your response to something off-meta as a pocket pick to inherently be, oh, we need to ban that out? Because do you want to get up to the next level of competition, be playing in the LCS or be playing internationally or anything like that, and, you know, have to be faced off against somebody who has a pocket pick or has an off-meta counter and be the player who just has to say, oh, we need to ban that. There's, I have no options here. Because I think a lot of players would rather that not be the case for them, and this would be the opportunity to kind of grow and move past that. The thing with me with that is that I would understand that argument if not for the fact that historically we failed so repeatedly, like, and I mean like any and in, in other regions that are not named China and Korea specifically, have failed so repeatedly historically that I don't think that that's a good enough excuse, not excuse, but a good enough like thing to back on. Because if like we're trying to be equal to them, but we fail. So at least breaking out of the mold would like that try things out make it so that we have at least seen every perspective and it works out better or at least how, how i see it at least yeah but not even not internationally right like i think you know you put moose hater in the lcs tomorrow you know golden guardians or dignitas or somebody puts moose hater into the top lane i don't think like summit and impact and fudge and uh, someday are going to ban the garen i think they will let you pick the garen and they will beat you on it uh and i think that's kind of the concern with that said i'm going to immediately hedge on this point a little bit uh because self-reflecting on this point as i was thinking about it i wonder how much of that is like because garen's this ungabunga run at you champion that it has no skill cap on it is the reason that you kind of think that because if this was if this was snipers riven or jenkins's kennen or concepts ergot or something i don't know if uh i would feel the same way right you know like, obviously every game is unique but i wonder if i'm just kind of in the boat of well you know you surely you need to be able to beat the garen i i wonder if i only believe that because it's garen it's hard to be objective in that way so i, I do want to point out you know Maybe it'd be a little different if it was a different champion. Maybe the force point goes deeper. We're egoing on the pick too. We're saying it oh sh should be totally beatable. It has unique <laughs> points to it. I'm telling you, Gordo, this is the future of the meta. It's actually full move speed, Garen. Get that phase rush going. And I mean, what can you do to stop it? Honestly, it's basically an unbeatable button. Really quick, I forgot to even bring this up, by the way. He goes rapid-fire cannon, Garen, in that game against CLG Faith. <laughs> you cannot tell me that Moose Hater is sitting there like, this is my optimal counterpick. Like, he is <laughs> he is literally just fucking around in, <laughs> in that match against CLG Faith. Like, I refuse to believe that that game is solo carried by the Garen pick. That game was over when Lens is getting early kills on the Draven in the 2 versus 3. It has nothing to do with that Garen. I will say, though, that 
or, or not though, like taking a little bit more into consideration the 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 forest street, and I think this can go even deeper than just the players' egos or something like that, right? Like we have to also think of the coaches. And a lot of the time, the coaches will say, nah, you can bid that with one of these meta champions. Like, it's even the coaches' fault themselves that like, we don't see these sort of more proactive approaches to try and go for, like, more of them off meta picks. Because, like, and I, I think I've seen this a couple of times. I even heard a lot of people talk about this from the coaches. They think the meta is the thing to play, and it's the only thing you can actually opt into. And that happens in a lot of places. Like, even just the higher, higher tier teams, like in the LCK and LPL, fall into this trap. And I think that that's just trying to uh, stop the progress from a lot of the players and a lot of their creativity into certain things. And I, th I feel like that that's something that we should, uh, at least in NA, we should try and diverge from that because we clearly cannot imitate the skill level from Korea to a certain degree. So we need to try and find other avenues. And that's probably one of the better ones. Just to try and quickly put, put a parallel on football, it doesn't matter how much structure and strategy you have, you cannot try and take the skill and the magic from certain players. They have to try things and they have to try and, till, and fail and try and fail and try and fail till they finally can keep on doing the, th the good things themselves. So I think that you cannot stunt the development in that regard from the NA players either. I think that's an interesting take. I also don't think that that is uniquely football the way that you articulate it at the yeah, very least, TDS. I know you got to get your football reference in every single week, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I will say that <laughs> this is definitely a process that I hope a lot of players engage with this kind of feeling oneself out to be able to kind of develop and move up to that next tier of play. But I think that it hangs in tension with what Gordo was bringing up regarding that sometimes these picks, they're just cheese. They're just there and it's not going to work in the future, right? Because because what happens when Moose Hater is up against a truly great LCS quality top laner who is just able to pick something meta into the Garen and just beat them down? I think that then that's really when the exposure happens. And I think that you have to have a very well-rounded approach to development to continue to push forward, especially if you're viewing the NACL as somewhere to grow. As is Myra, who is, I think, the next person we're going to be talking about here. Uh, the team manager for CLG Faith in particular had a tweet that I really want to discuss here. Just because, you know, CLG Faith, they are my boys and my girls, and I really, really hope that they grow into something fantastic, and that seems to be the angle that they are taking. Just reflecting back on the season, Myra says, quote, I know it blows to see us lose over and over, but I'm focusing on long-term growth, which I'm starting to see the start of. We've been working hard on how to grow the team, and I think our recent adaptations have helped a lot. Hopefully that comes out on stage soon. GG's Flight Quest, in reference to the recent games that they had against the Flight Quest uh, Challengers team. I'd much rather do things the right way rather than cheese out wins where we could pick dumb shit and burger flip it. It's much better to be actively looking at targeted and actionable goals and grinding away at those. Even game one, that was our best first 15 all year. Sucks to lose everyone wants to win, but my goal is bettering player the players long term. See you tomorrow. They do go on to lose 2-0 tomorrow as well, by the way. Fair. Uh, <laughs> No, but I, it's part of the narrative, right? No, this is their time to grow. This is their time I, to grow. That's not that's the not Garen, to tough on my ride. Is the, I couldn't resist, um, especially because she's had some follow up tweets since then talking about how you know it sucks to to post that insight and and just be be dumped on for it. And I do think you know uh, my my shit posting aside that I I think that kind of reflects a lot of what I was just talking about with the Garen, right? It's like, do you? 
I, and I don't think this, I don't think Myra's tweet is intended to be about wildcard, by the way, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it can be interpreted as such that it's like better, you, you know, bettering yourself can take the form of not banning the Garen, right? Focusing on improvement can be about being willing to face off against these, against the cheese picks, the cheese picks, quote unquote, and be able to beat it out through, you know, superior macro and superior gameplay. Um, and, you know, demonstrating why Garrett isn't a big meta international pick and hasn't been for 13 years uh, in that he doesn't bring to the table these tools that other champions do that the best team in the, in the world utilize in such a way that the Garrett isn't necessary. It's, I think I understand the point and I do understand the idea of wanting to say I want to overall focus on bettering the players, but at the same time, bettering the players doesn't mean just playing the meta and allowing them to grow through that. Because like, and I'm glad that I watch football to be able to keep on doing these analogies because it works out perfectly, but it, it works out for almost every sport, like, like Nyoko was saying. A strategy is good, but it's not the only thing that exists. Developing players is not only going by what is popular, but by them understanding what works better for them. And we've seen this in a, in a lot of teams, right? Where one player is better in one meta compared to the other. And a lot of that has to do with his playstyle, his, his way of understanding the game, his way of understanding what his team is probably play better and all that. And I do not think that just trying to focus on what's currently great is going to help uh, complete these players. Like, they may grow to be good enough LCS players, but I also think that the fo the goal shouldn't be to just make them be L good enough LCS players. Like, LCS, for even though it's one of the top four regions, it's still the bottom of the four regions. And to try and change that, you need to try and break off of the idea that this is this is going to be good enough to try and make them reach LCS uh, LCS level. In the same vein that I think, even though the top teams in the world do certain things like that, you cannot try and imitate the best teams in the world. That's that's not how a lot of the other teams have become great. Like if one team is the great at doing something, is great at doing a certain thing, a specific thing, or a way of playing. It's not going to work out the same way for other teams because they don't have the same players. They don't have the same understanding of the game. It all comes down to what you have at your disposal. And it's not logical to try and imitate. Like, I cannot, and this is for people that watch football, I cannot play like Barcelona from 2011 and 2009 if I don't have Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta, Messi at their prime playing the best tiki taka football ever. I can play different style of football if I have players like the Atletico Madrid ones that were a defensive side that were solid enough. You know, TDS, when I was busting your chops for saying you were going to make a football point and then not actually making a football point, but a more general sports point, I wasn't inviting you to then mention eight teams at once, man. <laughs> I, need oh, can we... I need to bring it Oh, gosh. We need to get a counter, Gordo, at the bottom of the screen uh, for the YouTube edition, at least, of the Salt Mine, where we just count every single time that we get oh. a football reference out of TDS. By the way, I need to make this clear. It felt so dirty to make an analogy with Barcelona because I'm a Real Madrid fan, and ugh, it's awful. But yeah, the point gets... I needed to say that just in case. You dug your own hole. You dug your own hole here, TDS. That's enough football talk. Yeah. 
we'll get back to it before long, I'm sure. But you know, I I think that's a fair point though to what you bring up TDS that and, and don't get me wrong, I don't think I don't think everything that occurs in the NACL has to tie back to NA winning worlds, but I I think there's a point to be made about developing players that may be more unique in their play style. And yeah, it really does make me wonder about what the future looks like for these wildcard guys because they are, you know, are almost privileged in their position to be coming in as these outsiders that they feel empowered to pick all this weird stuff. And the fact that they're showing so much success on it really makes you wonder how how that spills over into the rest of the ecosystem, right? Just quickly, because it, it actually made me remember, like, one thing that I wanted to add. Like, it also, it's kind of, like, for wildcard particularly, the idea of trying to only develop is a little bit harder on them because we need to remember, these are teams that are not affiliated to the LCS. Like, they get relegated. So they do want those wins. Like, they this they need desperately those wins because they want to stay in the NACL. Like, they, they do... Arguably, they, they'd rather win more so than the affiliated LCS teams because the backing is not the same. Like, they actually depend on these wins. That's what I'm trying to say. So I think that this scenario also kind of the mindset affects a little bit more on these organizations because of the difference. And I'm grateful that both dynamics exist to a degree within the NACL. And it's part of really why I'm watching it way more than I'm watching LCS beyond, you know, the written contractual need to do so in order to be on this podcast every week. Um, for me, I do love the fact that we have the ability for people to explore in whatever way they so desire. We're seeing two very different philosophies of developmental coaching coming through from wildcard and from CLG faith. One of them is actually, I think narrowing back down to the meta in a way that is a little bit more standard throughout the progression of this split. Lopoli actually, I think was picking at least very odd orders of champions, very odd flexes like that karma um, early on in the season. But now I think we're seeing a much more standardized style of draft barring say Saranox back going back to uh, the Zerath and the, first game versus fly challengers for instance um and i think that that overall is a really nice way for one of these established teams and affiliated teams to hunker down but at the same time there is still room and plenty of room and plenty of time in the discourse for something like wildcard to come through with crazy picks and a crazy meta to showcase themselves not only as people who have a grasp on what's going on in competitive play but also as their own unique brands because i think we'll get to this a little bit later i i don't think any of us foresee wildcard sticking together several splits in same thing with fear these are going to be players picked apart by some of these more established rosters maybe moved up to the lcs but from there we're going to be seeing fear and wild card aoe to a degree any of these other non-affiliated teams kind of acting as springboards i think where people are able to build their own brands and make a case to either reintegrate back into the anti-acl ecosystem on one of these more established affiliated teams or moving up to the lcs proper and from there getting their own fan bases and their own momentum definitely something to be on the lookout for in these upcoming seasons let's move on to some uh some non-philosophical topics about uh and some more league news here um stuff that's changed in the last week uh, i want to talk a little bit about goo stepping down from fly fam in particular just because 
he gave that kind you know that was a decision made by him and not the organization um kind of the second of its kind this season with bmfx stepping away as well uh just to read some of Goo's statement here, just said, really appreciate the opportunity that Leota and Nick gave me. I realized going pro took a lot more than I was capable of doing, and so I think it is for the best. Wishing FlyFam the best in the upcoming weeks. So, curious on some commentary there for, you know, player burnout, if it seems to be that. You know, this, this appears to be a retirement post, really, from Goo here. After having stepped away from the last year, Seems like he is just done with it after a few weeks on FlyFam. And it's very interesting to kind of approach this, given the kind of Wade discussion that exists around the existence as a pro player in League of Legends. We already had similar controversy very early on in this split or in this kind of general time frame of League of Legends with, I believe, the Vulcan post on Twitter about how hard uh, NA pros have to practice, even if they are not participating in Worlds or out of Worlds early. And I do think that it is a very hard pathway forward, and I think that it is something that is not for everyone, I wish Goo the best, and I believe that, you know, I cannot read into their life situation, but I don't think that this is necessarily indicative of a structural issue with overwork in the professional League of Legends scene, but sometimes things just do not fit for specific players. You see that, you know, in all aspects of life, there are certain kind of life philosophies and jobs that just work better for some people over others. I mean, I left my own PhD, for God's sake, but I wouldn't say that PhDs are inherently wrong. There's so many other people that exist in that space and thrive in that space, and I wish them the best in doing so. And I think to add on to that, like like you're pointing out, there's so many like instances where something just goes or doesn't go your way that you think maybe it isn't, isn't for you. And a lot of like the details can affect your mindset and how you approach certain things. Like, because when you think about it, and this is a lot of how like the professional entertainment industry portrays itself. I'd say entertainment because you can kind of include professional players into entertainment because to a degree, they do entertain the masses. So I think that you can include them in that in that field. And a lot of that is the shine, the glamour, the fact that they are famous, that they are over like in the top echelon of their category. And they have like a really entertaining and really like positive vibe to it but obviously we never get the details behind it and a lot of that is unwanted attention the 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 schedules that they have to deal with the fact that is a lot of potential overwork that a lot of people don't want to deal with they want a more relaxed uh, bit obviously there's the positives like the money the atten- the the money the fame the fact that they are, their status is kind of better but it affects a lot of like that inter- those entertainment people and it's Plenty of times that you see maybe someone that was in that highest, high tier, high status, close to achieving like the stardom, stardom, but they fall short just a bit before that because that life doesn't suit them that well. I think that's why what ended up happening to Goo. We also see it in the stream reverse as well. Like if I don't remember correctly, like TF Blade was someone that was trying to be a professional player, but he kind of gave it up instead, just focused on streaming, if I'm not wrong. So like that affects even just some other high tier players that are on the verge of achieving that but simply the like the life doesn't feel like it fits for them and it, it depends on the person a lot man we turned it philosophical again i don't really know how we did this i blame myself for it this time Nah, it's a philosophical topic it's okay like, that's true when that's you, true. If you I... talk about life it's a it's philosophical that's true all right well here we can turn it back 
too, is we we spent a long time talking about Moose Haters Garen. Uh, let's turn it back to uh, some other folks in the league, specifically new folks in the league. We had four newcomers to the NACL this week in Dragku, Rioma, Maniac, and Aaron. Uh, wanted to, and, and I guess Sketch Dreams is a support. The, the artist formerly known as Sketch Dreams AD Carry is now a support. Curious to uh, discuss some of those players. I'm, I'm actually now thinking, do we really consider Rioma a newcomer? Hey man, NACL's a new league. <laughs> Rioma played his first NACL games last weekend. Rioma feels like, and without trying to play anything, Rioma feels like the the meme of that old guy, like that says "Hello, fellow, fellow younger, fellow youngsters, fellow, fellow kids." Yeah, hello, fellow kids. He keeps coming back to the the developing league. Hello, fellow without developmental anything. prospects. Yeah, hello, exactly. fellow developmental prospects. Yeah, I mean, come on. It is a new league, as he was saying. I mean, TL Academy, I mean, TL Challengers, brand new team, by the way. Brand new team, brand new team everywhere. Um, yeah, I think that overall, the roster moves and shakeups make a lot of sense. I, of course, I'm going to quickly jump back onto the CLG Faith train, take that one to the station. I think Aaron looked pretty decent, you know, for as decent as a team that is very much having to hunker down and just go for the don't worry guys we scale mindset over the course of the next few years in terms of development um i think that aaron was a good addition i think that they worked surprisingly well i didn't see a whole lot of discord between them and i think that yeah it's overall just going to not be necessarily a huge pain point or target it's just another thing to refocus on uh i will be interested to see where they go from here into the rest of the season one point on Aaron, uh, you know, who I, I am a little salty of getting stolen away from Team Ambition, by the way. <laughs> loved loved casting him and his run through the open qualifiers and then just to immediately be snagged back by CLG Faith. Um, That's the point. <laughs> it is. That is kind of the point. I, I think I think the folks over at TA are pretty uh, are pretty hyped about uh, getting Aaron um, moved into the main league right off their team. But uh Played four games of Ezreal this week. Uh, just gives me a little bit of pause. Uh, I wonder if that's just the short turnaround time. Maybe just they didn't get to practice too many different team comps. Curious to see what he looks like on other picks here. He was not an Ezreal one trick in NACL queues, I'll tell you that much. Um, had some. I, I think his best champ was his Lucianami bot lane uh, with Pluto uh, when TDS and I got to watch him. So... <clears throat> Curious to see what that looks like in the coming weeks, but I, I do agree with Narco. I think CLG Faith looked like they had some of their better games here this past week. I think their bot lane certainly looked more competitive. Sketch looked good on support, uh, and, and Aaron looked solid on AD, so I'm I'm excited to see where this team continues to go. Myra said at best 15 of all season so far uh, in that sure. first game versus Fly Challengers. I have faith, and I'm going to keep cheering with them until, you know, they ap- actually fall out of the league, they get picked apart, or, you know, something else entropically terrible happens. If their best 15 is a quick 2-0, I think that they probably want to have worse worse 15 than that and try and get a win instead. <laughs> it went downhill after the first 15 man but i agree they do they like cut it really even in that matchup against fly challengers i remember, i was thinking the same thing before i even saw the myra tweet is that like hey you know they're they're kind of actually holding their own here they didn't really get ahead but they were they were competitive yeah and all in all for like let's say if if we go by what myra's mentality is supposed to be with the team like having this sort of more competitive games 
it's a much better for the mentality of CLG because it also like helps the players think, okay, we're still losing, but the mentality is to develop, to try and improve. And these games have shown that the development and the improvement can work. We just still need to keep to try and fix some of the details. So at least for the mindset that maybe CLG Fate does have for these players, it's a much more positive outlook. And I think that it's a, an improvement compared from where they were previously. Like, like it wasn't pretty before. At least now you can look forward to the future. And to add on to Iron, I like the pickup. I hope he gets to pick more aggressive AD carries. And I think that if he's able to turn around a lot of the situation from CLG, which based on the 2v2s and more potential synergy coming through, I think that it's possible, that may potentiate his value as a player. Like, that may add up to his stocks. To move back to our, our favorite developmental prospect that we brought up earlier, Ryoma, uh, I do think he actually, like, I think he looks solid. I, I mean, I you would expect off the back of an 0-4 week from Evil Genius's challengers, uh, that I would be, you know, eating my words a little bit on uh, <laughs> on Ryoma having hyped him up as what I thought would be one of the better mids in the league. You just have a quick one. I just realized that everyone that was at it this week, I think, had a, an 0-2 week. Oh, crap, you're right. Uh, yeah. well, oh, wait, no. TSM won a game. TSM won a game, didn't they? I, I think... Yeah, they won against right? Immortals, yeah. Yeah, because went one Immortals and five. Is... So yeah, same, same okay. won a game. Oh, they saved it. Okay, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, though, uh, you know, EG had a tough week, let's just say, uh, against Fear and Dignitas, who both of whom we now have to respect as top teams in this league. Our preseason <laughs> rankings be damned. Um, so a really tough week for Evil Geniuses, not too surprised at the 0-4 and four as a result of that. Would have hoped that, you know, Shaden could carry one game in there or something. But I, I will say, I think Ryoma looked pretty solid, um, especially in that game two against Fear. I think they really set up for him to carry through the Syndra. Doesn't quite work out. Faisal's Gangplank kind of hits critical mass, and it, it can't really be helped at that point. But I, I think all around, Ryoma's play has been solid. I think his mechanicals uh, have looked really good. Um and I'm excited to see him in future weeks. If Surdy can be player of the week, then Ryoma looked really good. Let's put it that way, Gordo. <laughs> All right. Okay. I feel worse about it now. I don't know why, <laughs> why that. <laughs> yeah, I, I how about Drag Coup? Uh, you know, I, t I was saying this beforehand. I don't know if other people share this opinion because nobody else, uh, only I watch NACL in the weird order that I happen to watch it in on a given week where, you know, it's what games can you catch live and what games are you watching as VODs and what games are you watching on three times speed because it's Monday night and you're running out of time. Uh, there's So nobody consumes the games in the exact order in the exact way that I do. Everybody's got their own kind of unique approach that way. Um, but TSM kind of quietly had a one in five super week here, uh, with being the, this being their first week with drag coup, uh, all in all, I thought he looked like an improvement. I thought he and wild turtle had some better lanes than I had seen out of wild turtle and rocks or wild turtle and chime. I will say like improvement from wild turtle compared to where he was is not hard considering that. Wild Turtle was clearly one of the worst parts of TSM in the previous weeks. Now, this week, for the better, he did try and turn around some of the performances. I still think that he's one of the weakest players 
him and Doxa are not looking that great, if I'm honest. So Draco maybe can provide a little bit more support, quite literally, to Wild Turtle and allow him to be a much consistent, at least, piece for the team. Because as of now, if I were any, like, if I was any other team, I'm thinking, damn, I want to take Hanser out of that because I think that he has been performing well. Like, and I want to call out my Twitter because I love to call out my things. I did make a tweet. I think Hunter is the piece that, at least for TSM, looks the most valuable. And if they can sell him, that's kind of a win in a way. It's a fair point there. I'm, I, I agree on Hunter. I'm looking forward to seeing how all of this TSM actually looks good in the coming weeks. You know, if Dragku has more time to gel, if he can build some support jungle synergy with Sven Skarin, then maybe this team could be a little bit closer to the threat that we had originally pegged them as. Uh, feels like Svenskeren's only option with TSM so far has been to just spam gank top and hope that Haunter carries. And that's been, we'll, we'll call it inconsistent so far, uh, with TSM sitting at 4 and 10 down towards the bottom of the standings. So, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll look towards the future here and close out this show by doing the same. Um, looking towards next week, it is going to be a banger Saturday, guys. We've got Fly Challengers against EG Challengers, CLG against 100 Thieves, Dignitas versus Fear, and TL Challengers against C9. So some crazy matchups there. What one do we pick as like our best one to watch out for? I think that we should, as casters, get banned from saying that something is going to be a banger. But you're right, Gordo. These are going to be bangers. I think that, in particular, the Dignitas versus Fear one has to be at the top of my list. It's kind of a reckoning for both teams, just to see if one of them gets kind of stomped by the other. Maybe we can then retroactively look back at the rest of the games that they played up until this point in the series season and say, hey, maybe this is just a matter of one of them having an easy run so far or something like that. Although, we are getting late enough to to the point where the sample size is probably a little bit bigger than there being total doubt cast on either dig or fear but i mean why not just watch the two top teams do get out it's probably going to be an exciting series i'm hoping for a split i think it's probably going to be a split i think dig fear the pretty like kind of best call out to go for i do hope that dixie loses so that bonfire can become next week and cry because dixie is no longer the number one team but I, I am more inclined towards TLC versus CNC because, as I've always tried to imply, I love watching mid laners. I think mid lane is the best lane in the whole history of the game. So I love watching any mid laner that is exciting. And this matchup has the two mid laners that I'm the most excited about. It's APA and MNS. And everyone knows I'm an APA fanboy, so I'm really excited to see how they perform and how this matchup goes. I'm going to pick that matchup as well, but I'm going to pick it for yeah. a, a reason that's going to upset TDS here is I'm still not sold on TL Challengers, man. I, I think yeah, okay. this team has had the easiest schedule of all time. I'm watching the broadcast this past week and the, the whole the whole NACL team ranked their uh, their top five players and they have both Bradley and Mir in the top five. I, that's just bananas to me. I'm telling you, they're looking mortal. That TL first game. Oh, I'm so excited to see what TLC what... can do after that point. Yeah, I questioned the TL one as well, as well, but I'm more questioning. They have Mir and Bradley, really? Yeah, like, they, I can't... both Mir and Bradley were in their top I, five I players collectively. I respect the Bradley one at least a bit, but I don't think 
I don't understand the Mir one. I'm sorry. Like I yeah, think I, Bradley. I, but I agree. Mm. I'm not. I'm not as sold on Mir. And like guys, take a step back here and look at who TL challenges. TL challenges. Yes, they have a respectable nine and three record. But this, this you remember, you play every opponent only once. Uh, and that means you can have schedules like this. TL Challengers, they have not played 100 Thieves. They have not played CLG Main. They have not played Cloud9. They have not played Dignitas. They have not played Evil Geniuses. They have not played FlyQuest. And they have not played Wildcard. They've played none of the good teams. <laughs> They're like... I feel like people are really losing sight of how few competitive teams TL has played. The mo like the only competitive team they've really played is Cincinnati Fear, and they split games with them. It's okay. We we stomp C9 this week, and that's it. It's a 2-0 week for TL. Two, that's, yeah, that's I, I guess if yeah if they stomp C9 2-0, then <laughs> then I'll concede that they're like a real contender. But I I kind of think they're gonna struggle against some of the better teams here. Like it is crazy how easy of a schedule team liquid has ended up having here you could not have designed an easier schedule it really is that i actually kind of bring my point to c9c just a quick thing if this week we see a, a similar like a similar situation for c9c uh, coming into where i think mns was looking shaky do we reevaluate our our opinion on mns or not like, because I think that last week was kind of iffy for him not the best but not the worst but if it happens once again this week I don't, I don't think I don't... that he was that disappointing this week. I'll be honest. No, I think, I think he was like, I don't think that he was necessarily bad. I think he played well enough, but compared to previous week, I think that he fell compared to previous week. So I'm kind of curious if, if something similar happens this week where his performance falls, do we begin reconsidering MNS a bit? I mean, if he, if he looks bad next week, then it's like maybe, but I kind of agree. Like, I think, first of all, he had to play against tough competition this week in the form of wildcard and 100 Thieves, and he looked great against 100 Thieves, I would say. Uh, I think, you know, he he had a quirky game against 100 Thieves that looked pretty good. Um, and then it, he, uh, oh, and his game two against 100 Thieves, he got to play the LeBlanc again, and he hard carried mm -hmm. that game. So, I don't know. I was I was pretty impressed by his performance against 100 Thieves. I think that looked like what I would expect MNS to look like based on my high rating of him. Against Wildcard, I think they all definitely struggled. Uh, they definitely could have won that game one and probably should have until Moose Hater backdoors on Fiora. Um, but, by the way, Moose Hater heard me talking shit on him not picking Fiora last week. He, he gave me one game uh, where he <laughs> backdoored the base. Hey. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely... I don't think he looked bad in the series for wildcard. Definitely not like at the high level that I've seen previously, but I think he looked like he was back on form against hundred thieves. So, I mean, if they look bad this next week, it's definitely a conversation worth having, but I I'm not worried for MNS at this stage. I think that's true. This is still a hard, like, well, not a hard, but this is still a week for C9 that he's going against mid laners that have been looking good. So I think that, or at least for singularity MNS, it's going to be fun seeing how he performs because I think obviously Junk, one of the star the stars from GGC, and then Bolulu, that honestly it's the biggest subable piece. Well, him and Wixie are the most subable pieces for my MT, at least for me so far. Alright. Well, that was a fun time. It was a good discussion. Thank you all for tuning in to the Moose Hater podcast where we've spent I think legitimately like twenty-five minutes talking about Moose Hater guys, but <laughs> That's okay. Hey, surely, segment. surely at some point we will have other things to talk about. But 
He's the star of the NACL, baby. I think that alone, that's got people on Reddit talking about uh, NACL. It's got copy pastas popping up around Twitch uh, about Moose Hater being mentally and physically superior to his opposition. I, I think this is good. I think this is good for the league. I think it's an exciting narrative, and it'll be fun to keep track of, although hopefully we'll get some other stuff to talk about in the upcoming weeks. But till then, tune in to NACL this weekend for another series, set of 18 series, 36 games, where we'll get a little bit more insight into what our standings end up being. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you guys for tuning in.